Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Hello and welcome to A Musical Journey Like No Other. This is 33 with William Patrick Corgan, and this is the 27th step on our interstellar musical expedition. We're continuing to follow the story of the new Smashing Pumpkins album, Autumn. Don't forget the first two acts are available now on your favorite streaming platforms. If it's your first time listening to 33, welcome. If you've been with us since the very beginning, thanks for being fans. Thanks for tuning in. On this episode, we're having another world premiere of a song from the album, Autumn. We'll be listening to and analyzing the track In Lieu of Failure with Smashing Pumpkins frontman Billy Corgan. On this episode, we are listening to a classic track from the group Star Children. It's the cover of a Joy Division song called Isolation. That song can be found on the 1995 tribute album, A Means to an End, The Music of Joy Division. As you're listening to this, Kyle Davis is moving in to his new Orlando home. The Florida man has returned, but don't get comfortable, Kyle. You got to pack your bags and head to Chicago for NWA 312, our next big wrestling event, the first full week of April. We've got a book signing. We've got a pay-per-view. We've got television tapings. And a portion of the proceeds are going to help families that were impacted by the July 4th parade shooting in Highland Park. I mean, this is a big time for music, for Smashing Pumpkins, and also for the NWA. I mean, that's just a taste of everything going on. But first off, make sure you like, subscribe, share, rate, and review the podcast wherever you're listening to the iTunes, Spotify, iHeart app, anywhere you get podcasts. 
Make sure you go over to WPC33.com. Continue the pod conversation. Really find playlists, lyrics, more. Smashingpumpkins.com for merch and concert dates. And as Joe said, I am about to drive back to Florida to reboot my life. We're preparing for NWA 32 in Highland Park, Chicago, April 7th and 8th. World is a vampire. It's coming to April 15th, 30th in Australia. 10 dates, 15 days. April 21st, autumn release date. That's happening at the same time. Crockett Cup tag turning on the horizon. More stuff involving Smashing Pumpkins and NWA. Wink, wink. Scheduling logistics are my current life nemesis. And today's classic track, Isolation, is the perfect life vibe. But hey, what a damn cool life it is. Billy, this is your world. We're all just living in it. And I'm getting just a taste of what that world is. And it's got to make me question, is this why you are who you are? I mean, completely insane and devoid of any connection to temporal reality. Yeah, that would be me. Sounds uh, right. Sounds going right. on about 35 years, <laughs> says people who work with me and for me on a daily basis. You know, it strikes me a couple things as I listen to these lovely preambles. It's a super busy time. And so whenever it's super busy... It's worthy of taking a moment to be thankful. So I'm thankful to you for listening, to be thankful for the opportunity to speak to you and share with you the creative endeavor that is the Autumn Album. Luckily, so far, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Don't have to go into the into the oft-told story about don't do it, flashing red lights, don't make an album with 33 songs with an additional 10 songs on the box set. The narrative is now flipped, and so the positive end of the conversation is we're getting all those opportunities that you like to see. There's some I can't talk about, but I'm sure you can imagine whether it's television shows or major radio shows. Those things are all kind of coming in, and there's a lot of excitement in the future for the Smashing Pumpkins and the NWA. On the Smashing Pumpkin side, as I'm assuming most of you are music fans, there are talks about future touring this year in America, so know that that's on the slate. I know some people like to get a little bit of a heads up to make some sort of space in their schedules to afford for that. Um, We, of course, have a Siamese Dream 30th anniversary coming up. We're trying to make some plans for that. So, yes, lots going on. Where are we in autumn? We're song 27, I believe. Am I correct? In lieu of failure, because what I'm hearing is in lieu of failure, you're being a success right now. And that's why we're here. I was thinking, you know, in lieu of failure, the Kyle Davis life story. (laughs) Bam. Hey, I keep on stumbling up. The graphic of the book flashed in my mind. I love you, Kyle. Thank you. I, I, this is an interesting song because it provides an opportunity for some context, and it's something that a lot of journalists have been asking me about. They kind of do the nice version of like, yeah, there seems to kind of be more rock songs on Autumn. Is there a reason for that? Which is their way of saying, gee, I wish you'd do more of this, and why has there not been much of this lately, particularly since James came back to the band? To be truthful, which I try to be on this podcast, It's taken me a while to put my hands back around the organic side of the pumpkins doing rock and roll. It doesn't mean we can't do rock and roll at the drop of a hat, but doing it organically in the same way that we made a lot of your favorite uh, sad songs, that's a much harder thing than I would have ever imagined. It's sort of like, use my Willy Wonka analogy, like once the machine breaks down, it's a lot harder to put it back together and grease the wheels back up than I might have imagined in younger years. So I think the fact that the band's been back together, at least three quarters of it for a while now, there's a working rhythm both behind the scenes and uh, in front of the cameras. I think that's afforded a greater opportunity for me to delve back into the rock side. In terms of a song like In Lieu of Failure, I viewed it more contextually, which is like, okay, so let me set it up and then I'll explain why I'm saying this. In the narrative point of view, Shiny has been invited by a fan group uh, well-known to be the number one fan group of of Shinies, but in all these years, they had to be really secretive. So now they're back out in the open, and they get to uh, sort of celebrate that Shinies back on planet Earth. And so they've invited Shiny to a party, like a fan-led party. 
And so Shiny, just having stepped out of his spacecraft, not wanting to be rude, not really sure what's going on yet, still reading the tea leaves, wants to kind of be on the positive side of the equation, sort of tacitly agrees to show up, and uh, he's going to listen to a cover band play his favorite songs from his past. So the idea here is In Lieu of Failure is actually a song from Shiny's past, and there's some sort of general thought that maybe Shiny might get up at the end of the show and sing a song with the cover band of his songs. So that's the kind of contrivance here. Let me go back to what I was saying. So you can imagine within the context of, hey, let's do kind of a retro-ish song, it afforded me the easy opportunity of what I would call a layup, which is make some good old-fashioned Smashing Pumpkins rock and roll. In my mind, this kind of felt like a melancholy B-side, and I don't mean that derisively. I love a lot of the melancholy B-sides. In fact, they're some of my favorite songs from that period. They just didn't necessarily fit on the album. And so it's kind of got that swagger that I love a lot of those B-sides had. And you can see that that machine is very much intact, even if it's in my mind. And so that's what this song sort of represents, both narratively and personally. To continue the narrative, so imagine, you know, they're in some uh, ballroom somewhere, uh, say Winston-Salem, with the poor carpeting and the echoes of ghosts of many Shriners conventions of the past. They're shiny up there on stage, and everybody's kind of celebrating. Because remember, now it's legal now to celebrate Shiny and his, his art. It's all kind of come out of the shadows. There were a lot more people listening and paying attention than the X and I, the governmental authority in charge of these things, would have ever imagined. So now there's this open celebration. Shiny's back. What's going to happen? And oh, by the way, why does he look 55 and not 75? There's lots of talk about that. You can ask me the same question. So there's Shiny, and, and the band is playing, and they're playing some of his old, his old chestnuts, you know, the Rat in the Cagers. And it gets to the end of the show, and they start playing in lieu of failure. You know, the band's kind of looking over at Shiny in the wings. You're going to come out and sing. Shiny in a moment of uh, emotional uh, uh, frailty or weakness, you could argue, kind of comes out on the stage, waves to the fans, and takes up to the mic and decides to sing the song, basically being on stage for the first time in over 20 years. The band's rocking. And just about the penultimate moment where everyone's having a great time, and hey, isn't this just like the end of those Hallmark movies that James sometimes does the music for? Here comes uh, somebody out of the crowd in a hood, an ominous figure, yanks the microphone from Shiny's hand, and who is it but Osira? And Osira begins to denounce. The band stumbles to a halt. Like every Hollywood movie, every time somebody grabs a microphone, there's a spike of feedback. Pay attention to that. There's your spoiler. Every time you see someone step up to a microphone or grab a microphone in a Hollywood movie, there's always a peel of feedback. I don't know why. It's something that they do. Maybe it's an inside joke. Peel of feedback. Osira grabs the mic, pulls down the hoodie. Oh, my God, it's that girl. Everybody knows who Osira is because Osira's been on the cover of People magazine as the missing link in this, in this story. And, of course, the X and I is still very much after Osira. And Osira begins to, in an old red plague kind of way, denounce Shiny basically calls him out and begins to turn the crowd against Shiny. He's not the person that you think he is. All the things that I talked about before, she's very upset that he did not take the opportunity to stand as a revolutionary against the man, in quotations. And now, using her artful skill and the fact that she's a young person and many of the people in the crowd are young people, basically begins to turn the crowd against Shiny. Now, Jim Morrison was a firm believer in crowd dynamics uh, and there's some documented stories about how Jim would go into crowds with some of his buddies and try to turn the crowd against the band that was currently on stage. Jim Morrison needed, uh, believes you only needed four people in a crowd to turn a crowd of a thousand people against the band. I can attest to this idea as I've seen it, of course, from the comforts of the stage, where it only takes a few bad apples to turn a crowd. 
there's something about the breaking of the spell of what's happening on stage, right? So you have somebody sort of shout something or do something. Okay, so the band tumbles to a stop. Now the power dynamic is basically equal. The person talking, Osira, is just as powerful as the person who was just singing the song and Shiny. Now the whole party is about Shiny, and yes, he's this myth. But remember, Shiny is a myth. He's not really a living flesh and blood artist in the current time that Osira is in. In many ways, Osira has the narrative because they're still hunting Osira. It's Osira's face on the cover of People magazine, not Shiny's. So very deftly, and with a real malice, Osira begins to turn the crowd against Shiny, and you start to hear that rumble from the crowd that something is about to go wrong. Now, does that mean that the crowd was going to storm the stage and kill Shiny? No, but certainly it's not the happy ending that just moments before seemed very possible. And just about the time that Osira grabs Shiny and starts to say, you know, we need to stop this man or whatever, she's mumbling incoherently to try to create this violence and this energy. Who appears out of nowhere but Ruby, deftly moving his only aerobic can, knocks Osira to the side and disappears into the night with the shiny in her arms. Damn. Well, I'm loving that. Three things that stood out from that, other than the fact that this narrative is just hitting its crescendo right now. James does Hallmark music. That threw me off. Also, what song or what cover band name would you prefer if this was the cover band for the Smashing Pumpkins? And then three... I know that this could be pretty cathartic. Obviously, I had to explain to a current girlfriend of mine that what Zero was and explain this is who he was in the past. He moves through his music. Do you find that this right now, everything you're talking about is cathartic for you, is unleashing something that you can having inside that you just need to share with the world of like frustration or worry, concern? Yes, James does Hallmark movie music, has done so for years quite adeptly. The band name that I would choose would be something like the the Rats in the Cage. Maybe that's that's not a bad... Uh, tribute band name. And then as far as the catharsis, I suppose so. There's something weird about talking about, and we've talked about this obliquely in talking about social media and bullying. There's something weird that happens when you acknowledge the elephant in the room. It doesn't necessarily free you from the elephant in the room. It creates a different energy, which is its own elephant in the room. (laughs) So And through the years, I've been asked many, many times, probably a thousand times by reporters, do you find your music cathartic because of the level of angst in it and stuff like that, or the emotionality, which a lot of reporters found very uncomfortable in hipster world. That's a story for another day. And I would always say, no, I don't find it cathartic. And what I mean by that is, yes, there's a release of energy, like acknowledging the fact that if that was me standing there off planet for 20 years. Now I'm back. The tribute band is playing one of my songs. I, I decided in a moment of, you know, emotionality to get and grab the microphone. And now I'm singing and I'm having flashbacks of days of yore, to quote Robert Plant. And then out of the crowd comes this young person. And within moments, not only am I being publicly denounced, but I hear the crowd mumbling in a way that only a seasoned performer would recognize, which is, oh, this, this shiz is about to go wrong. And trust me, I've turned many a crowd on myself on purpose, which is a different uh, effect. But you know that sound. You know that sound. As I once said famously, opening for Guns N' Roses in Oklahoma, the crowd booing us for 45 minutes, you're living on stolen Indian land, to which point they booed a lower octave than I think uh, thought humans could boo, sort of satanic level. Axel remembers it to this day. So when you, <laughs> when you, know, when you know that sound— Okay, is that cathartic to like emotionally within myself as the writer kind of relive that moment and know that that's possible? Yes, but it also brings a level of discomfort because I have to acknowledge that it's true. 
meaning no amount of rock power, no amount of celebrity, no amount of perfect teeth saves you from the mob when they decide to turn on you. Look no further than the Jacobins and them eventually turning on their their leader, and I believe he was guillotined in front of everyone, where just a year before he was sentencing people to the same guillotine. There's something about power dynamics that never sort of frees you. So to talk about it, yes, it's interesting, but in some way it's still putting like sort of a little target on me head saying, I acknowledge that the power that you think I have isn't power at all. So that creates a different kind of discomfort. Let me ask you this, Billy. Is there a specific skill in turning the crowd emotionally? I mean, it seems like it, it's got to be more than in wrestling parlance, we'd be calling it just getting cheap heat where you just go in and say, San Antonio sucks and all the women are here fat or whatever Charles Barkley usually says. So like... Enormous, I believe is the new word. Enormous, I'm sorry. I apologize, ladies and gentlemen. All the women in San Antonio are enormous. I'm sure my fiance is going to love that line when this comes out. <laughs> but is there is there more nuance to it when you're in a band as far as trying to get that? Yes. Cheap heat to explain to the non-wrestling crowd is exactly what Joe said. You you grab a microphone and you say the lowest, dumbest thing you can say. Look at all you ugly people or something. We don't necessarily think that's a good idea in professional wrestling, but you will see people do it. The way to get real heat is to say the thing you're not supposed to say. <laughs> I'll let you do the math on that, but pick any stage in the world and I'm standing on it and you give me a microphone and it's dark out in the crowd and there's a big spotlight on my head and I open my mouth and I say the thing you are not supposed to say, and we all know what those things are, trust me, it is a problem. It's a deeper— You're just booing me because you wish you were me. Well, it immediately flips the narrative to, wait, I paid to watch you do something that I didn't think I was paying to watch you do? Like, I I didn't come for this. So that was the common comment that I heard through the years, which is like, the stupid version is, just shut up and play music or just shut up and play, which I've often said I agree with. It's probably better if I shut up and play. But in the 90s, I very much considered myself a performance artist. So every night I was willing to say and do things on stage that you were not supposed to do and say. Now, if you come on stage in 1999 America wearing a dress, which I did, that was a problem for a lot of people. Just the mere fact of sort of gender bending, now, I'm at this point in my mind, I'm 25 years after David Bowie, basically declaring himself the, the modern equivalent of non-binary. So I didn't think it was a big deal, but it was a big deal. So the minute you do and say the thing that they think you're not supposed to do and say, and trust me, there's a long list, you will find out very quickly. I think that's a good note for us to go out on. When we come back, we're going to be listening to the world premiere of In Lieu of Failure. Stay tuned. I was hoping you were going to spin to Kyle in a dress, but... We could do that later. I have uh, I have the chest for it, but not the legs. We'll be right back. Now available for pre-order at MadamZuzus.com. The autographed 4LP box set of Autumn, the new album by the Smashing Pumpkin. This 4LP colored vinyl pressing is limited to 1,333 units and will be machine numbered and autographed by the Smashing Pumpkins. Billy Corrigan, Jimmy Chamberlain, James Eha, and Jeff Schroeder. The limitation box set includes the three-act, 33-song rock opera that is Autumn and... 10 exclusive unreleased songs over the course of five seven-inch singles that will not be available for streaming or found anywhere else. Go to MadamZuzus.com to pre-order today. Free shipping in the USA. Three-unit limit for order. Pre-order will ship after April 21st, 2023. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. 
Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey guys, it's Ray from the Bobby Bone Show here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Let's go! Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the hills to the trails all over. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander, with three spacious rows of seating, up to eight passengers, yeah. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer, check out amazing national sales event deals on RAV4s, Highlanders, and more. Visit buyatoyota.com. That's buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Welcome back, friends, to the 33 Podcast. This is William Patrick Corgan, your intrepid host, who apparently cannot talk the King's English today. With my co-hosts Joe Galley and Kyle Davis, we're taking you on a journey like no other into the loo of failure. You know, it was fun, as I said in the prior segment, it was fun to sort of like write a song circa Pumpkins 96. I felt it freeing. I'm sure there's some amongst the crowd that wished I'd do more of it. And as I said to a journalist journalist recently in Mexico who accused my new music of sounding plastic, if you want to pay me a million dollars, I'm more than happy to do whatever you want me to do. So I extend the offer to this audience. If you have a million dollars, I'm more than happy to write you a song circa your year of choice. I'm going to guess it's somewhere between 1992 and 1995. But for the Adore fans, we'll extend it into the Adore window. And hey, we might as well go to Machina. So if you got a million dollars, I'm here to write for you. But in the meantime, here's a song I wrote just from myself in lieu of failure by the Smashing Pumpkins. Enjoy.
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You just listened to the world premiere of In Lieu of Failure. When I heard this song, Billy, I initially thought this is also a, a big contender for a single that could go out. Then I was also thinking, you know, you've got Beguiled and you've got Empires, and those are hard and those are rocking. This one's in the same vein. Do you pick like a song with a different tone to have as a as another single to go out? Like what goes through your mind when you're trying to pick like not the first single, but like the, the second or third when you when you're putting out the album? Great question. Normally what happens is, and I'll be simple about it because it's kind of a case by case basis. Normally what happens is they will gravitate and they being whoever's listening um, outside of me, business people they will gravitate to the thing that most reminds them of what they think the band sounds like. If you do it right, they'll gravitate to something that reminds them of what the band sounds like, but it sounds like a new version of the band. So therefore, a song like Beguiled and Empire sort of wins on both fronts. It sounds like the Smashing Pumpkins. You're like, yeah, that's the Smashing Pumpkins, but it sounds like a fresh take. In lieu of failure, based on what I was telling you before, is purposely voiced to a 1996 kind of approach. And so I would be skeptical if somebody in that world was picking that song because I would think they were picking it for old reasons, not new reasons. And I have had albums, Oceania comes to mind, where I purposely didn't try to make singles on the record. I told everybody I was in business with that I wasn't trying to make singles. And I I had no intention of even taking the the record to radio, uh, meaning with a single. And believe me, the radio doesn't sit there and wait to pick a song. You have to go to them and and beg them to play a song. It's not like 1953 where the guy just picks a song off an album and decides to play it. Those days are long gone. The management at the time came back and said, well, there's enough momentum on this record in the marketplace. We feel we should go with a single. And of course, they picked not the best song in the record, a song I really like, though, called The Celestials, because it most reminded them of old Smashing Pumpkins. Then they were asking me, could I edit the song and all this weird stuff? But I felt and I knew in my heart when they decided to push that song, it was for old-fashioned reasons. Because if you look at Oceania as a record, and many people know the record, there are songs that are far more progressive and probably would have had a better chance of being successful. But nobody around me had any faith in me at that point that I could get new Smashing Pumpkins over. So they were very comfortable trying to get old, new Smashing Pumpkins over. Was it also a concern for you when things like that happened? Because I know that sometimes... I would have heard a song by a band when I was younger. I'd buy the album, and it turns out that is the only song on the album that sounds like that. Sugar Ray, for example, used to be like a heavy band. They had a pop song. I liked the pop song. Listen to it. Only pop song on the album became a pop band. So is there a concern where sometimes if you let somebody pick the one song that maybe doesn't represent the entire album, you were deceiving people and could give people the entire wrong vibe going into it, and they turn it on instantly anyway? Because it's not what Trust they expect. me, the business people don't get, don't get hung up on that. <laughs> they'll sell it. They'll sell it if it's uh, you tapping on a spoon. Um, they'll sell it. So, and and full disclosure, and and here's your fun fact of the day: Mark McGrath actually performed with us on stage, and we did that song with him at the band's 30th anniversary concert in New Jersey. So you didn't know that. You, that. you didn't I'm know that about circle. me, did you? I love that song, by the way. Where where were we? I'm getting lost in the weeds, to quote Dixie Carter. Well, it's our new game called Six Degrees of William Patrick Corrigan, where anybody could be turned into let's, let's, at least uh, having six degrees. You know, we started of off today, we we like to have a little chat before we jump on and record this episode. And I said, you know, the fa- past few episodes have been kind of heavy, going back, obviously, to Lisa Marie's passing. So I said, let's try to lighten it up today. So let's, 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 let's on, on the fly, let's play a game. Just throw out a, a, a famous name and let's see if I'm connected to that celebrity. So each one of you get one celebrity and let's see. Let's just try that for fun. Elvis Costello. Ooh. Okay. 
this is, oh my God, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Um, <laughs> I was in a relationship with someone, nobody that anybody would know. So don't, don't t- try to think of this as a famous person, but I was in a relationship with somebody and they said that they knew Elvis Costello. And I said, well, how do you know Elvis Costello? Because it would not be, have been a person I would have imagined that they would know uh, such a great singer-songwriter. And they said, well, I once had a romantic moment with his wife in a, in a room. And I thought, okay, well, that's interesting. But how does that connect to Elvis Costello? And they said, well, he was in the room as well, why this was happening. And I thought, okay. And I, of course, I asked the follow-up question, what was Elvis Costello doing? And I don't want to repeat here what they said. True story. Use your imagination, folks. (laughs) All right. I'm in wrestling mode. I was looking through old pictures last night. That's pretty good, right? That is pretty good. I I was not expecting that. (laughs) Neither was I. I was looking through old photos last night back when I was a pro wrestler. My last name was Durden, so I'm thinking Fight Club right now. Brad Pitt was in Fight Club. Do you got a Brad Pitt story? Uh, You know what? I don't have any direct Brad Pitt stories. I've heard a lot of Brad Pitt gossip through the years, and I, it wouldn't be fair to him to repeat some of the gossip I heard because a lot of that stuff is always just Hollywood chatter. I will say my only Brad Pitt uh, connection is that I was sitting once at the Chateau Marmont. Brad Pitt was at the next table over. This is when he was entering his kind of early 30s trucker hat phase, if anybody remembers that phase of Brad Pitt. So he was in full Brad Pitt trucker hat mode phase. And as you do in LA at one point, you know, we just, uh, you know, crossed eyes. I wasn't trying to bother him. I'm not that type of person. And he kind of gave me the, you know, the, the one finger, how you doing? I know who you are and uh, I'll leave you alone if you leave me alone. So that's my one Brad Pitt moment. You know, while we're keeping this so, light so, sorry, and fluffy the, so the, and so the, entertaining. So the net result of the story is like, oh, cool. Brad Pitt knows who I am. Like, that I'm okay cool. with that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to have a conversation. And then there is a connection, of course, that I have met and hung out with Billy Bob Thornton who is obviously uh, married to Brad Pitt's former wife, Angelina Jolie. So you, I, even if I didn't have the Brad Pitt, like one finger in the air, how you doing today, moment of acknowledgement, I could go the back door through the marriage with Billy Bob Thornton. So I'm, I'm covered both ends. This is why I want to have, That's how the I game have that cork board with the pictures and the string, like when they're trying to solve a serial killer murder and just have that with you and celebrities. I think that would be fun. I Sometimes I play because I'll, <laughs> I'll, um, I'll be watching like, I don't know, I don't watch the Grammys and the, the Oscars anymore, but you know, we all read the reports and we'll see like who won and stuff. And there are times less so now because I'm a little farther away from it, but there are times where I would like read the list of things and I would, I would have met or cross paths or know somebody who like literally I was like, no, no, don't know. But know some, like it, I was weird. I was like, Oh my God, this is so crazy. I've, I've either met all these people or, you know, it's celeb land, and let me say this to be fair. If you're meeting people for five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, I mean, most people are usually pretty nice. So most of those encounters are fairly pleasant. I don't have any particularly haunting stories. I, I do have a recent story of meeting a celebrity, again, for the second time, and I made the mistake of telling them that I'd met them once before, you know, 20 years prior, and they basically kind of blew it off and said, yeah, well, I meet so many people, and kind of turned what was just me being nice, sort of trying to turn it into like, yeah, you probably don't remember. They basically said, nice to meet you. And I said, oh, we met years ago. And uh, I was saying it nicely. You probably wouldn't remember. And they, and they kind of go, yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't remember. <laughs> I sort of got to put down on the back end of my trying to cover for them. So I made that mistake. And I guarantee I won't make that mistake again. Could have been an indictment on themselves. I know I have a terrible memory when it comes I to I walked that. away from thinking the person was a nice person from this previous celebrity encounter to thinking that they're kind of a jerk now. And I had heard through the years that they were a jerk. 
And I always would think, but I, when I met them, they were really nice. And now that I met the jerk, I'm like, okay, now I see why they have a reputation as a jerk. It's amazing. Well, Bill Murray's getting older. <laughs> no, actually, Bill Murray has a terrible reputation in Hollywood. In fact, many yes, people have does. told Bill Murray. Uh, many people have told me that Bill Murray probably has the worst reputation in all of L.A., which is weird because Bill Murray's reputation in Chicago is fantastic. So maybe Bill Murray in L.A. is different than Bill Murray in Chicago because Bill Murray is completely beloved in Chicago. I think I've met Bill Murray once, maybe, sort of, but I know some of the Murray brothers, and I've even gone to a baseball game with uh, some of the Murray brothers. I thought you were going to tell us you played a game of golf with them, and I was going to be like, hold on. No, 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 don't get that that excited. I have been invited, though. I have been invited to Murray Brother golf events as a celeb, kind of, uh, you know, charity golf events, but I don't really play golf, so I've declined every time, but I have been invited. I was going to ask what your handicap is. My (laughs) handicap is Kyle. All right, let's uh, let me write that on my scorecard. <laughs> that's that's a T-shirt. Let me uh, let's move forward. Um, let's uh, you know, like I said, I want to keep it lighter today, but let's talk a little bit about something we teased last week because I think it's fair to follow up on, which is I believe the question, but please refresh my memory. It was something along the lines of like, how do you deal with social media knowing that it's this negative? And I I sort of threw out the idea that there were certain strategies that I had engaged in. Is that that an accurate reflection? Yeah, that's what we were talking about for sure. It definitely was the theme of talking about it's so much easier in the analog world to deal with confrontations and people basically just being a-holes. But when it's in the digital world, it's, it's, there's so much coming at you so fast. Like, how do you handle it? To quote Joe Galley, Joe Galley said recently, my life would be better if I didn't have to read comments on social media, but it's part of my job, so I have to. So let's assume you're not Joe Galley and you have a choice. Everything I'm going to say is just colloquially advice. This is my advice in dealing with social media for, I guess, now 25 years. Because I was pretty hard in on what we would now call social media, starting around 96 with the band. The band was doing web chats and all sorts. We were way ahead of the game, and at some point, we kind of blew all that and paid for it later. But in the beginning, we were seen as a sort of pioneering force, including releasing our album for free on the net, basically before any any other major band ever did. Thankfully, some journalists occasionally give us credit for that. Usually, Radiohead gets the credit, even though I think we were seven years, six years before, something like that. Um, So this is all colloquial advice. If it sounds pedantic, it is, because this is the kind of stuff I would say to you if we were sitting in a burger joint, albeit I'd be having a vegan burger. And uh, this is what I would say to you as a way of advice. So if it's helpful, great. And um, we won't go too deep into it, because let's all admit that at the end of the day, it's a subject we all deal with. It's a subject we have to navigate. And at the end of the day, it's a subject that's really boring. Because at the end of the day, life is about life. Life is not about social media, although... Social media does a good job of convincing us that it is a form of life. And for many people, it is their life, but we all know that's kind of a sad way to go. Number one, uh, and this is a lesson I had to learn, and I'll take you through a quick story once I tell you this. Uh, So number one is do not read comments. Just do not read comments. Just do not engage. Have the willpower to not read comments. Now, I live in a closed loop now with my social media. I have a public social media. I have private social media. It's only close fans and friends are in the closed loop. And I think there's maybe a hundred and something people that are on that. Those people are free to talk to me. Occasionally I kick people out when they get rude. Usually it's through a DM. But so I'm not afraid of reading those comments now because everybody's in my closed loop system. And so as you can imagine, because it's a closed loop system, and I have a total power over who's in it and not in it. I feel generally comfortable to read the comments, but by and large, eight times out of 10, I don't even read those comments. But if we're talking about a public forum 
which most people have and I've had, do not read the comments. Just do not read the comments because it's unbelievable. Somebody will ruin your day and it will be so stupid. And I've said this before. So if you've heard this, I apologize. I can remember one time posting something really nice about somebody who'd either passed or a charity thing. It was something so benign. It had nothing to do with me. And somebody wrote F you as a comment. And I was just so mad. I was like, how do you how do you take something that's so innocent and so positive and twist it? Well, that's all you need to know. People will do that. People are messed up. I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but just don't read the comments. Because the whole idea of the comments is, and let's remember the inner psychology here real quick. The whole idea of comments is, I'm going to post something, okay? Let's pretend I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to be a celebrity in this moment. Like, okay, I'm just like everybody else. I'm posting a picture of like my friend's bar mitzvah or something. You know what I mean? Like, whatever, okay? The person who's responding is responding to something you've done. They're choosing to respond, and they're equalizing the energy of that, right? They're responding to something you've put up by putting a comment, and in this case, we're talking about something negative. So they're trying to create a balance in power, but it starts with an exchange that starts with you. So the minute you are willing to acknowledge the equality in that power dynamic, it's over because you're not equal. Because they're coming, in essence, to you. You're the thing that's, like, you've put the poster on the wall. They're acknowledging it, positively or negatively. So you have to understand that the world revolves around power dynamics. And if you acknowledge an equal power dynamic with what we would commonly call a troll, then you've already lost. And the comment just becomes the sort of, like, the manner of the wound. But it's really about power dynamics. So secondarily, my other piece of advice is understand that you have all the power in the world. You can have a closed account. Why don't most people have closed accounts? Because they don't want to only have 50 followers or 72 followers. Well, you have to acknowledge that's your choice. So if you have an open account and you're not a public person and you're not working in the entertainment biz or you don't, you're not trying to sell real estate or whatever, okay, well, you're choosing to have a public account and you choose what goes in the public account. It's no different than you're driving down the road. A complete stranger can come across the, the center line and, and hit you. Uh, somebody can yell something at you. We've all had that thing where we're driving down the road and somebody yells something. You're like, why are they yelling at me? And they, you don't even know why they're yelling. Well, there's no, it's no different in the public discourse and of uh, social media. And the third piece of advice I would give you is, uh, what's the line from Queen? It's not the real life or something. Look, we all consciously know that digital life is not real, but it's hard sometimes to not get lost in it. We, we've all been at the doctor's office and we have a 45 minutes to kill, even though we're there at, on time for our appointment. And we just end up paying attention to a bunch of stuff that doesn't really matter. Social media, of course, is geared that the minute you linger on something, they're going to give you more of that, and they create dopamine patterns off of that. That's all public knowledge. So let's say you're in a some sort of thirst trap, like drag racing or something. Like you know what I mean? By the way, that's you're telling people who don't have your best interests at, at heart that that's what you want more of. Okay, now you're trapped in some sort of emotional relationship. I love these drag racing videos. Okay, invariably somebody's going to come along and tell you that you're not the real drag racing fan. Invariably, you're going to like something or say something or repost something, and somebody's going to jump down your throat and say, oh, now you're into drag racing? I mean, I get authenticity questions from fans about stuff in my world, about stuff I created. So I can't even imagine what it must be like to be a fan of anything, bowling, drag racing, downhill skiing, whatever. There's always going to be somebody sort of grabbing their you-know-what and telling you they're the bigger fan. You weren't there in Innsbruck in 82 when the, when the famous incident happened and all this stuff. That's power dynamics in the internet. So if you don't acknowledge those dynamics and you just go about your business quietly, you by and large will have a more positive time.
Do you see a lot of that with the Smashing Pumpkins community? Because there's, you know, we've got so many new fans now, and we saw a lot of that in Mexico. That was a young crowd that was out there. Do you see that? Or maybe Kareen, unfortunately, has to see the thing of like, no, I was with them since Siamese Dream. I'm the real fan. Who are you young kids that don't know nothing? Yes, it's it's haunting to me. It goes into other stages of bullying. Why anybody would want to bully a young fan is beyond me. Why would you not want to go out of your way to make them welcome? Like if you're a fan of a band for 20 years, let's say you're a fan of the Smashing Pumpkins for 25 years. And let's say you're one of those fans that thinks I haven't written a good song since 1996. Great. Why wouldn't you want to turn the young fan on to what you love? Instead, it becomes this weird test. It's mostly males. Okay, so I don't want to get into the sociology point of view, but it's mostly males, and they go out of their way oftentimes to target young females in particular, and they try to do this weird thing like, you're not a real fan. In fact, one of the narratives that started on Kareen recently in Fandom World was, she's not a real fan, she's only been a fan for like three years or something. And Kareen read this and was like laughing, she's been a fan for, I think, 18 years, something like that. 10 years, five years, who cares? So what is this uh, What is this internet exchange of like who gets to make the call? Like what's cool, not cool? Where you're a fan? Where's the magical line? Is there a king somewhere, uh, a prince somewhere decreeing, you know, if you've been a fan only for seven years, you're not a real fan. I'll tell you a quick funny story because this is one of my favorite stories. There was once a very toxic Smashing Pumpkins fan, well-known to the community, and he asked to come to a show and he wanted to meet me. And in a moment, I guess, of grace, I opened the door and said, sure, I'd like to meet this young person. I'm not afraid of the enemy because he's not even really the enemy, even though I know he's talking a bunch of junk about me all the time. And he's one of these people that was declaring me dead after some year. I'm not saying he was wishing for my death, but certainly he was. Uh, he, he thought my, my artistic juices had run dry. So imagine not only am I saying, sure, he can come to the show, I'll give him tickets, and he, he's welcome to come backstage and I'll say hello. We had recently launched a new website in one of our many misguided attempts at currying favor in whatever was the internet culture of the day. Uh, at that point, everybody was hot on websites. You had to have a good website and flash animation and all this junk. And the band would spend 25 grand to pay some bearded guy who didn't even like the band to make our website flashy. And I was very skeptical, but we had gone ahead and done it. So the guy came to the show and I'm talking to him, and it was all, you know, kind of a pleasant exchange, kind of what you'd imagine. And I'm sure he's documenting everything in his mind to go run back to his his world and report, you know, on what I was drinking, Fiji water, most likely. And I made the mistake of asking him what he thought of the new website design. And he kind of made a little face, similar to the Howard kind of sad face. And I said, what? And he goes, well, there's some talk about that. And I said, okay, well, what's the talk? Well, uh, we feel the colors are too aggressive. And I go, what does that even mean? Well, the red is kind of off-putting. You know, in, in, in the internet culture, you know, red's kind of a turn-off color. And I go, well, it, but it's the color of the record. Yeah, but for the website, you kind of should have done something different. Because let me tell you, to the web people, that's just not a good, you know, you're just going to turn people off. Okay, that's the moment, if we can freeze, pause, if we can pause, that's a moment where my head splits open. I like if you had the animation thing, like it would be, a, and my head literally splits open and now comes a screaming young child. The fact that this was that important to him to not only note, have a discussion about, come to a conclusion about, and then feel the need to share with me as if he was imparting some valuable information, 
that's where my that's where you just blow my mind. So yeah, I'm 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 55, soon to be 56. I don't understand an internet culture that gets turned off by a color or the wrong font. For years, I had fans down my throat about using emojis because it was like a grandpa thing. Like, you know, you realize that when you use emojis on your socials, like fans, you know, in airports, you know, like, you know, when you use the emojis, like, that's not cool. And I was like, what are you supposed to use? Well, you can use like little cats that like little memes and stuff. I don't know what you even call those things. GIFs, GIFs. I understand like to them, that's a big deal because that's their world, right? Just like for me, it's like the sound of my amp is a big deal. Like, oh my God, there's an electrical home. It's a really big deal. It's hard for me to understand how like what goes on with my amplifier and my band is the equal of like whether or not I should use a smiley face. So of course, me being me, I still use emojis. I think emojis maybe have come back in. Uh, <laughs> I've been I've been at it long enough. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where to go with that. I love emojis. I love emojis too. It's how I communicate because texts are hard to read without context of like a face or a graphic or anything like that. And at the end of the day, here's the thing. You're you. That's what works for you. So keep on being you. Don't compromise that. You're not hurting anybody just because you might not be doing the thing that the rando wants you to do. Use emojis. Use the gifts. Use the cat you mentioned. Joe yeah, Gallagher but don't you understand in this loving march towards Marxism, that's sort of the idea behind it all is that we can collect by being a collective, more people will get stuff and we'll all get along. First of all, I'm a huge fan of the individuated human spirit. All my heroes are individuals. They're not movements. And even though those individuals may have led movements, you realize that the, the reason that that individual led a movement was because of the individual charisma of that person. Nobody else could have led that movement. And as often the case, when you take the person out of the movement, there goes the movement. Cult of personality, you can call it what you want, but I'm a big fan of one individual, male, female, or otherwise, having a mission and, and pursuing that mission with passion and vigor. And especially when it lines up with spiritual purpose, I'm all about it. Here's a way to get out of this uh, segment. I hope we've had a little fun today uh, before we go on to segment three and our classic track, Transmission, by the uh, Fame Joy Division. My son thinks he's quite clever. I wonder where he gets it from. And the other day I came in and he handed me a, um, how can I say it? You know, some emojis have reached the point where they actually have toys of the emoji. So the S-H-I-T emoji. Uh, we Poop. The poop? Yeah, the poop emoji. Poop. 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 That's not offensive word. Poop. Yeah, the poop with the googly eyes. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so for some reason, my son has a a poop emoji plushie. Yeah, I've seen those. They're cute. Thanks, Chloe. Chloe Chloe's now talking <laughs> from 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 the bed. As if you can hear her, she's not on the microphone. She's of course living in another age where maybe because she grew up in the internet, she thinks that the microphone will pick up her voice from across the room. So my son hands me the poop emoji plushie toy, and he goes, huh, "I got this for you." And I go, and I, he's buying you and stuff. And I go, um, what's this? I pretended I didn't know what it was. And he goes, it's poop. And I go, what's poop? And he goes, you know, poop. I go, I don't know what poop is. He goes, yeah, you do. <laughs> so on that note, <laughs> that's the kind of depth I'm living in. You want to talk about depth? See, when I'm not <laughs> reading the comments, this is the life I'm living. And you should too. I want Chloe to do a run-in. I don't want, trust me, I don't want Chloe running right now. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, she wants me to talk to her while we're taping this podcast. I just, wanted to, okay, yeah. Okay, now it's just the anime, right? My head is exploding. Like the lights are, like my head, there's a fissure in my brain and the light's coming out. Now comes a screaming child or better yet, a poop emoji. Um, <laughs> when we come back from the tribute album, uh, what's the name of that tribute album again? Uh, I have it here. Hold on. I'm so, a means I'm, I'm, to an end. The music of Joy you. Division, and the song is Isolation. I'm called. I'm so sad. I'm so lonely. Um, when we come back, our tribute to Joy Division, circa '95, '96, from the Melancholy and Infinite Sadness sessions. If you want some context, those of you who think not only have I not written any good songs since '96, but recorded any good songs since '96, this falls in that comfortable window where you have a. You can you can boast about hearing this song on the podcast, and your influences influence me to go back and delve into my past once more. When we come back, discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, guys. It's Steve Cavino from Cavino & Rich. Here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck... You buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality potency and consistency scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality visit lazarusnaturals.com today lazarus naturals it's not about being the best in the world it's about doing what's best for the world not available in idaho iowa or south dakota farm to store in days not weeks that's 80 acres farms did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate but not 80 acres farms their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled they stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.
Welcome back, music fans. You just listened to Isolation as performed by Star Children. Not the Smashing Pumpkins, but by Star Children. Let's talk a little bit about Star Children, Billy. What What's up with the Star Children? It seemed to be the vogue in the time that I was growing up in late 80s, early 90s, that bands would have other bands. Maybe they still do that. I always thought it was kind of a cool thing. It seemed to be that some of the bands that I like would occasionally put out a single under a different name or would just be two of the band members, stuff like that. So somewhere in the band's early days, I cannot remember the year, there was a local label and the guy said to me, would you like to do a song for this? And so on a night where I was drinking a lot of tequila, uh, as the memory goes, Jimmy Chamberlain and I and our former, I guess, roadie, tour manager Bob English went in the studio and recorded a song that I wrote on the spot that's just a complete mess, but kind of fun. And I, I even played some gigs as Star Children. In fact, Jimmy and I, I believe, as a duo with the drum machine, Jimmy playing bass, opened for Mazzy Star, something uh, the NWA's producer-director Billy Trask is quite fond of knowing. I saw Hope Sandoval, speaking of Six Degrees of Separation, the great beauty, weeping openly backstage and having a complete meltdown before our show. And I believe that was my first encounter with any kind of celebrity, indie celebrity. So my first indie encounter with real celebrity was watching quite a beautiful and talented young woman weeping openly. So forever sealed in my mind if you want to play that game. So there were various star chilling gigs. In fact, I've found some of them in the Rubano archives, which uh, we may or may not release. Uh, one of them is just complete noise, no singing. And there was a gig where I think Jimmy played bass and drums, and we did a gig at the Double Door Circa 94. So it was kind of like an ad hoc if I wanted to do a gig or some music under a different name. So as far as the Joy Division song, we were doing Melancholy of His Sadness, 28 songs, eventually 28 B-sides. This became the 57th song released in the cycle, which is the true testament to my uh, insanity, for which you can argue I've never fully recovered, and I've certainly never reached that level of productivity since. Although Autumn comes close with 40 six songs in total, I think, because there's other release, unreleased songs from the from the Volume 3 project, which comes out in the box set. But we'll talk about that at another time. So imagine my, <laughs> my trepidation when I agreed to do this project. Somebody calls you, hey, do you want to do this? They'll give you a little bit of money. Joy Division, oh, I love Joy Division. I want to do the song. I secured one of the best songs Joy Division had, which was Transmission. Uh, certainly a fave and a song I got to play with Joy Division slash New Order on stage in 2001 on that tour. Uh, with the young Jack Bates standing in the wings, not knowing that someday he'd be playing bass in the Smashing Pumpkins. So yeah, um, there's no time. Uh, the Melancholy album has gone on for eight months. Flood is freaking out how over we are. There's an impending release date coming. And I go to Flood and I go, hey, um, I got to do this Joy Division tribute song. And he looks at me with these big eyes like, uh, when? <laughs> like there's no time. We're working seven days a week. And I go, well, if I come in on Sunday night at like, 7 p.m. or something, and I do the whole thing in three hours, and I'll prepare the files, and da, 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 will you help me? And he goes, sure. <laughs> so so it was recorded so like in between all the other recording sessions, and I did it by myself. I think there was some reason I didn't want to release it under the Smashing Pumpkins name. It probably had more to do with the fact of something to do with the record label and label politics, which is why it's called Star Children. In fact, if you just asked me, in a trivia game of Smashing Pumpkins trivia, I would have said it was Pumpkins track. So I guess it doesn't count technically as the 57th release track off the Melancholy Cycle, but it is the 57th release song that I did. So there's your trivia. 
I uh, texted you this when I saw this online that I popped for where I was like, I got to find out what Star Children's about. And it said that you had given the motto of the band as be repetitive for nuisance's sake, which I thought was just very entertaining for one thing. Uh, two, is this true that at one point in time you were thinking about starting a new record label just to put out like Star Children stuff? Yeah, I mean, I've toyed with that. I've even toyed with doing a Zuzu's label. Jimmy and I have talked about actually doing some fun Star Children stuff along the way. But in terms of priorities, Juan would probably precede that. There aren't enough hours in the day. I think I, I could put this simple uh, because we're trying to keep this on the lighthearted side of it. If it was up to me and I didn't need to worry about the public part of the band and I was just focused on what I was focused on, uh, I would just record under a bunch of different entities and just release music that way. So even when I tell people, um, I do talk about some form of impending retirement, in my mind, I wouldn't stop releasing music. It would I would get out of the public part of promotion, marketing, interviews, and stuff like that, because it does take a lot of time. Even just to give a quick example, uh, this Mexico show, which we did, The World is a Vampire, the first one, I think we were in Mexico for five to six days rehearsing before the show. So all in and out, there was uh, eight days just with the band, and I did previous uh, some prep before I went on to the rehearsals. So just to do one show, I, I probably it was about 10 to 12 days of my life worth of time. Uh, now imagine if I just decided, oh, I'm going to do a Star Children project with those 12 days, and I'm just going to make a couple songs, record write and record a couple songs. That's going to be the difference in my life when I decide to shut it down. And just about the time I decided to shut it down, I see The Cure going back on tour, playing three Madison Square Gardens, uh, three uh, Hollywood Bowls, 30-date tour. It's great to see my friends in The Cure going back out and having such great success and doing uh, an even bigger tour than the Pumpkins just did. I mean, all, all power to them because there's a perfect example of a band that doesn't compromise, does exactly what they want to do, plays three-hour shows, will play an hour's worth of music that you know the common fan wouldn't even know, and, and they're getting bigger than ever, and of course, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So they're a testament to why you shouldn't bend. I'm rambling now, but that's why I love them because the Cure, and they're always going to be the Cure, and of course, it's Chloe's favorite band. And this is... This, I of course, say, Chloe, I hear her Chloe the will chime in from across the room and you won't hear what she says, but I'll have to deal with it. You know, if we ever start our own band, just the three of us, and we do something like the Star Children, I wrote this summer hit called Ass Puncher years ago. Just putting that out there. I think we could really make a good pop album. Um, Yeah. <laughs> oh, bad reaction. Never mind. I feel like he's gotten that uh, pitch from a few uh, people over the years of like, you know, Billy, if you just work with me, I'm the world's best triangle yeah. player. Nobody plays the triangle Stop. better than Joe Galley. <laughs> Come on. Star children. I'll get a tattoo of it. It'll be fantastic. There is a, there is a sort of thing that happens where every person, it's usually guys, but I guess it's been women as well, that fantasizes about joining the band. They always say the same thing. I'll play the tambourine. If I've Not heard the, it once, I've heard it a hundred times. So the fact that you went for the triangle, I think that says something about I was, you. I was on the border because I was also going to pick theremin because I think a theremin would actually work well <laughs> with it. I'm imagining you own a theremin. Not only have we owned a theremin, uh, <laughs> we were doing theremin solos on stage uh, circa 2007, I 2008. I love the effing theremin. <laughs> um, we were doing some sort of art breakdown uh, in the song uh, United States, and I believe Jeff was was doing a theremin solo in the middle of that in, in honor and, uh, I guess, in tribute to Jimmy Page's famous theremin solo in Whole Lot of Love. Real talk. I would never try to do any musical stuff with you. I got drunk that night and sent you karaoke and me singing. Your job is hard. I have no skills on that. Although I will say that we would have the chain gang now that I'm a chain guy. So I'd say like chain gang. That would be part of the group. I'm not wearing a chain. Oh, We're already come having on. dissension in the group. This is, this is how it starts. <laughs>
Um, you know, I'd love to keep the levity going, but when it runs out of gas, I mean, I just got to make the call. Um, <laughs> hit the ripcord? Isn't that the old? <laughs> yep. Good night, everybody. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, uh, let's end. I like to end strong. I don't want to end weakly. Yeah. Let's, let's go one more round on six degrees of Billy separation. All right. I went first last time. So Kyle, go ahead. Oh man. Um, let's see here. <clears throat> okay. Let's go. Is Has this you the ever had any interactions with a fans one? <laughs> yes. Have you ever had any interaction with the Illuminati? Cause that's what I get asked all the time about you. Yes. Next question. <laughs> All right. I like, I'm going to go completely random here based on your age. I don't want to go too early with my presidents, but I'm not going to go too late. (gasps) I was going to go go Gerald Ford. No. All right. Bill Clinton then, because that's more your your time frame when pumpkins was getting hot. Did you ever get invited to the White House? Uh, I have been to the White House. (gasps) There you Uh, go. Was not invited by, by Bill Clinton. I saw Ronald Reagan give a speech in 1984 when he was running for re-election. I think that's my only presidential encounter. But I have been to the White House twice on invitation. And uh, no, I have no Gerald Ford. Um, I, I'm, I'm empty on Gerald Ford. You got me on that one. Okay, the steam ran out on that. So let's just go with this. What? Who were you most excited to ever meet in your life? You know, that's a great question. Bam! <laughs> I don't know that, if that was worthy of a bam. <laughs> <laughs> I could just see people reaching for the, uh, I guess the, I was going to say the dial, but there's no dials anymore. I'm there's reaching. a fast forward button. Yeah. Or just turn it off. <laughs> uh, if you're, if you're still listening, we appreciate you. Um, let's end here. Who would I most have been excited in meeting? That's a great question. I think we're going to use that as a, as a teaser for next week. Oh, now, I'm going like to have to give that some thought because I've yeah. met, I've met some of my heroes I've never met any of the Beatles, uh, and the Beatles is my favorite band. And and recently, about this past week, I was invited to an event where uh, Ringo Starr will be part of the people that will be playing. So I'm sort of having to do that thing like, if I actually go to this event, I will for the first time meet a living Beatle. I once was once at a party at Dave Stewart's house of the Arrhythmics, and he's very close friends with Ringo, and Ringo was at the party, and I saw Ringo down the hallway in a living room and uh, as I've said many times, I'm not the type of person who will just barge up to somebody. I try to see if it happens organically, which it often does. And those tend to be the best way to meet uh, celebrities. If you want any celeb advice, let it happen organically. You'll find it. Your encounters tend to be better. And uh, so I saw Ringo down the hallway. I, mean, I actually saw Ringo there. There's Ringo, right? And, um, and I've met you know Pink Floyd and I've met Rolling Stones. I've met pretty much everybody uh, that what I would constitute as musical heroes. In fact, I've even played with some of them. And there's Ringo down the hall. I mean, he's, he's right there. And I thought, I'll just leave him alone and I'll wait till later and see if it happens. And there were other lum, uh, uh, illuminated people there. Stevie Nicks was there. Of course, I know quite well. Stuart Copeland of the police was there. It was, it was a cool thing. It was like a New Year's Eve celebration that I'd been invited to. So there's Ringo just down the hall. And then about an hour later, I looked and he was no longer in the spot he was in. And I said to somebody who would know, do you know where Ringo is? And they said, oh, he left. So I blew my one chance. So on that uh, note, uh, as I encourage you not to bother celebrity, um, I'm sort of encouraging that maybe you should bother celebrity. So Ringo uh, Starr, if you're listening to the podcast, hit us up in your DMs. Accidentally find him at a urinal. You know, you never know. Oh, that's always a great one. You're 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 organic. You're, you're 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 amongst the people. You're at a urinal and you're doing God's business, and the guy next to you goes, "Hey, how are you?" and sticks out his hand <laughs> to shake 
<laughs> On that note, um, we'll say goodbye. I hope we brought a little levity into your life. We certainly have not brought enough uh, pertinent and deep information. But next week, we promise more of um, deep, insightful conversation and a musical journey like no other. On the 33 Podcasts, for Joe Galley and Kyle Davis, I'm William Patrick Corkin. See you soon. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane, back to reality. See how to elevate your travel experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.